Hello and welcome to Lawrence Fork in Kansas, the podcast about the people and the stories behind the local food you love. I'm Jake. And I'm Kristen. And today we're interviewing Lee Meisel, owner of Leeway Franks and Leeway Butcher. Today, we're talking with owner Lee Meisel of Leeway Franks and Leeway Butcher. Lee, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. So for those of you who don't know, Leeway Franks and Leeway Butcher, they are, uh, you know, really, you highlight, you know, your homemade, handmade sausages, different brats. You have a bunch of amazing sandwiches. Um, and actually, this year, you, you were voted number one in uh, Tater Tots in Lawrence <laughs> <laughs> by Best of Lawrence. So, um, so that's great. And then, yeah, most recently, you know, within the past year, you opened up your butcher shop basically right next door. And uh, actually, today of the interview, you're celebrating your four-year anniversary. So, so congra- congratulations, congratulations yeah. on that. Thank you so much. Yeah. It, uh, some days, I feel like it flew by. And then other days, I feel like it uh, is an eternity. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we got to four years. Um, it's it's been a pretty wild ride. It's been uh, really rewarding in in ways that I had no idea. Um, and I'm just really happy for the staff and really happy for for where we're at. Well, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. How long have you been in Lawrence, and where are you from originally? Uh, been in Lawrence for 14 years. Uh, came here to go to school. I uh, graduated from Haskell in 2008, and um, originally from North Dakota and a small uh, town in North Dakota. Uh, We kind of bounced all over the state when I was a kid. Uh, My dad worked for the government. Uh, He was, uh, you know, worked for uh, USDA. And uh, so we kind of bounced all over the place. But originally, my family's from Sioux County, uh, South Central North Dakota. They raise cattle out there, Um, just uh, like a few miles outside of Selfridge, North Dakota, which you probably can't even find on a map, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and uh, and then made my way uh, to to Lawrence uh, from I was living in Austin, Texas for like three years. Hmm. Um, you know, did the whole college try thing twice, mm-hmm. and it didn't quite work out, and then ended up in Lawrence. Um, Haskell was a really cool experience, mm. and uh, met my wife. Uh, we worked together briefly at uh, Community Mercantile. I was cutting meat, mm. and uh, and then yeah, it just become home. Yeah. So then, uh, so kind of what what has been your path then in the in the foods you know food industry then? So I guess you you, know, you kind of got you got did you get your start at the Merc or did you even start before that oh, back home? Yeah, uh, I got my start in in Mandan, North Dakota. I went mm-hmm. to high school in Mandan mm-hmm. and uh, worked at a like an old school small. Uh, Main Street, Mandan, North Dakota, butcher shop called the Butcher Block, and I got uh, hired on for deer season. Deer season's really big up there, Mm -hmm. and uh, making sausage, and that was one of the things, um, uh, one of the reasons why I got hired is uh, I had experience making sausage before, and um, I, you know, there's a bunch of crusty old guys in there, (laughs) and they kind of just like showed me the ropes, and in the beginning, it's always very small. Everything starts really small and really simple. So it was learning how to grind meat properly, um, breaking down carcasses after they'd all been boned out and breaking down the bones, hmm. uh, and a lot of cleaning, you know, cleaning the smokehouses, cleaning the machinery. Um, and it was just like full tilt boogie all day, nonstop for probably six months straight for deer season, oh, wow. um, thousands of, of deer. Um, finding the right grind to mix to mix back in with pork because you can't just grind pure deer meat you know not 
venison's really lean mm. and uh and kind of learning that process uh learning how to standardize recipes and things like that and uh and so that was that was really my first sort of crash course. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, I'd worked, like, my first job was in fast food. I worked at Hardee's, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, that was, like, in, in Mandan anyway, Hardee's was, like, still a thing. And <laughs> uh, that was back when, like, Hardee's still, like, fried chicken and, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I was so young, I remember I couldn't handle the slicer. I couldn't handle the knives. <laughs> I, had, I was basically pouring coffee for old people, <laughs> mopping the floors, washing dishes, stuff like that. But it's still, it was, it was like the very beginning, uh, you know, was, uh, yeah. in food service. In food, yeah. yeah. Cool. So. And then, so then you moved to, you know, when you came here for, ha- you know, Haskell and all that. So then you, you pretty just kind of saw opportunity then to, to at, at the Merck or in the, well, you know, originally it was one of those, um, it was kind of a trade that I learned when I was a teenager. And then I always thought that, you know, like my, my friends had like cooler jobs than I did. Mm-hmm. Like I had friends that worked for electricians and I had friends that worked with computers and did fun stuff. And I was just like, I always thought that I was like the butt of some joke because I'd come home, you know, uh, with all of the meat smell and the smokers especially had like mm-hmm. this really like dark, like sludge. I cleaned those out. I'd muck all those out. Mm-hmm. And I would just come home and I just, I was like, God, I got to find something else to do with my life, you know? Um, but it was like a, it was like a, a valuable skill set. Yeah. Um, and uh, when I went to, when I was going to Haskell, uh, I went to school for business um, and I got a job working uh, in GIS at, uh, at, at the Sequoia um, building there uh, in the GIS lab. I had some, uh, some experience working with computers. I briefly worked for Gateway Computers. There was a, a, like a call center kind of thing up there um, that I worked at my senior year of high school. And yeah. it was a good student job. And I, honestly, I thought maybe I would continue on with that. But at, at my kind of at my core, I felt like I would always want to own my own business at some point. And, mm-hmm. um, and then I, I took some good business like classes and, mm-hmm. and accounting and, and my micro macro and all that kind of stuff. And I really liked, I really liked it a lot. And, uh, when I graduated, it was 2008 uh, and it was like a really like terrible time in the yeah, economy. Yeah, yeah, Not yeah. a lot of people hiring and I didn't, I, you know, I, I hate school. Like I, I, I got a lot out of I, I got a lot out of Haskell, but I just remember being one of those like seniors in high school. Like I wasn't even staring out the window. I was like outside. You know, yeah. I, I didn't want to be there, yeah. and, and I, it wasn't challenging. Um, I, I you know I got good grades. I wasn't like you know one of the bad kids or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I, it was just it wasn't. Uh, I just knew that you know higher education maybe wasn't something that was perfect for me. Right. And so when I graduated, uh, I was just looking for a job. I mean, yeah. I worked at my friend's liquor store for a little bit and just tried to find anything. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I got a job up. Uh, I had a friend just through a connection. I had a, a, a friend that worked up at KU for the Memorial Dining Services. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got a job working for the training table up there at the Old Burge Union. And uh, and then I did that for a few years. And it was just like some job security. Mm-hmm. And it allowed me to like buy a house, um, pay the bills, yeah, yeah. you know, sort of thing. Yeah. Whereas, uh, and my wife was going to school at the same time. She graduated from KU. Um, she has an accounting degree mm-hmm. and she graduated in 2010 and, uh, we were just sort of surviving, you know, and just trying to figure out what our place was with, if, if we were going to stay in Lawrence or not. Mm-hmm. And, um, place just kind of became our home and, uh, yeah, uh, always just, uh, trying to utilize whatever skill set that I had to, uh, make a living and kind of fell into it basically. Mm-hmm. So, 
So at what point did you decide, you know, I, all right, I want to, you know, I want to open up my own, my own shop. You know, after you've gotten enough experience, did, did you say, yep, oh, I'm going to go out on my own here? Cause it took me a few years. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the main things was like, I turned 30 and <laughs> I was working at another restaurant and, um, I don't want to say it was fine dining, but it was definitely, um, a nicer restaurant, you know, full service wine menu, mm-hmm. um, lots of people working there. Um, and I was working as a house butcher and, uh, you know, I, I got to this point where I was like, I felt like I maybe would have been a little bit further along. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even to the point where we were, um, the, some of the, uh, some of the business owners at the time were considering, you know, going into business together and opening a shop together and, uh, businesses being what they are and, uh, you know, the ownership group kind of like went separate directions and then that kind of left me kind of in limbo a little bit and trying to figure out, you know, what I wanted to do. And, uh, I mean, that was really it. I, I got to an, I got to a certain age where I was ready for something and, uh, it wasn't going to happen there. And so I needed to just like do it on my own. And it was really like, it, it drove me, you know, I would just wake up early in the morning, like spring out of bed, start working on a business plan. Um, just learning it by myself, not really coming from that background. The last sort of entrepreneur business owner in my family was my great grandfather who started that cattle ranch in North Dakota with his brother. Mm. Um, so I don't, I don't really come from that sort of, you know, uh, Mm. that's, that's definitely not my family. Um, but, uh, but I knew it was something I could do and I almost, you know, felt like I was somewhat challenged, uh, the people who I was working for, I felt like they were like, ah, well, he's going to work here because, you know, we got him. So, Mm. but I, um, I just kind of got tired of that, Yeah, you know, needed, needed a change. And then I just sort of went through this almost, you know, eight or nine month process of, okay, uh, how do you get a business? How do you write a business plan? How do you get a loan? How does this work? How much can I borrow? Where do I find a place? And and then, you know, luckily I, I found a place for rent and the rent was reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was not an established business, but there had been a food business in there before. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, I, uh, I just, I put my head down and just started working like nonstop and, yeah. and, and then got it done. Uh, don't come from money. My family is yeah. like not real. you know, I don't have like daddy Warbucks, like mm-hmm. cutting checks or whatever. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not like that. I've had a lot of help from my family. Um, but, uh, w- when it came to actually making the business and stuff like that, it was literally just a dream that I, we kind of, my wife and I both turned into reality. She's really good. Like she, mm-hmm. um, is super good with finance and she's a financial planner and, um, she's just so smart. She's way smarter than I am. <laughs> and, uh, and so help me along that process. Um, you know, she kind of does all of our marketing. I mean, if I had to pay someone to do the kind of marketing that she does, I couldn't afford it. Right. So, yeah, um, so yeah that, that's how it started. And it was really probably, this would have been October, November of 2014. Mm-hmm. And um, putting all that plan together. And we had, a, you know, family members who were kind of acting as advisors for us. Uh, we went to see Brian Dennis, who worked at the SBDC at the time. Um, and he looked over our business plan. I remember it was like 30 pages or something. It was way too long. Yeah. And he just like trimmed it down. I mean, that's an amazing resource. Will Katz has also helped us a lot. And he's, he's, that's like a free resource for anybody. Oh, wow. And um, so they really helped us out in the beginning, got us in contact with lenders. And then um, when I was, you know, 
I had to do build out. I had to do all this stuff for that, for that space. And I didn't know anything about that stuff. I'm not like a contractor. I don't know anything about that. And I just putting in the application, there's like a pre-application meeting you do uh, down at the city of Lawrence. And um, I remember sitting there and you talk to fire and um, I mean, just everybody, yeah. you know, that you kind of like uh, have this moment where you can ask questions and submit your plan. And I sat there with my architect who had drew everything up and, um, there was uh, there was a woman that was working that was that w used to work for the city, um, Cindy Herman Leg, and she was like a small business facilitator for the city, and she told me she's like I didn't realize that you're a minority-owned business, and I was like yeah, and she said well you should have said something, and I was like well I don't really like lead with <laughs> if that, you don't know, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, and and so she put me in contact with Network Kansas. And they have programs for minority-owned businesses uh, where they can, they, it, what we use at the time was this multiplier loan. And they give you basically a percentage of your principal loan amount. Um, and it's through the state and it's secured and it's a very reasonable rate. And it literally got us to that point that we needed to be at to open the doors. Oh, that's awesome. And so it really like came together very, very uh, like naturally mm -hmm. and almost like I was like pinching myself. I was like, how did this work out so well? But, <laughs> It, it, I'm not saying it was easy, but oh, yeah. it, like yeah. the things came together when it needed to come together. That's yeah. great. So, like if you're ever like 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 me, I'm one of those people. Like I feel so insecure about asking stupid questions about <laughs> things, you know. And it's and like better to just like be quiet, you know, and not look like an idiot. And you know, rather than like ask a dumb question, and then definitely everyone knows you're an idiot. So like, it was one of those situations where those guys are just so amazing over there, and um, yeah, they helped us so much. I, I couldn't believe it. And I, I don't know if if Leeway Franks would have gotten off the ground in any other city, mm. you know, just because um, I don't think that most places have those resources. It doesn't exist in North Dakota, that's for no. sure. Yeah, Lawrence is pretty special. It's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In that sense, it's they they, they want you to succeed. They want to challenge you and push you to make sure you're doing like going in the right direction mm -hmm. and um, sometimes that's what you need yeah, yeah. for sure um, I wanted to ask a little bit about the um, the food that you focus on at Leeway Franks and sort of how you landed there I'm assuming you know growing up with your background with um, butchering you knew it was going to be meat centric in some way but the mainstay is the sausages burgers stuff like that so where um, where did the inspiration for that kind of focus come from so uh, I had worked in different uh, different restaurants. I, I worked in a in kind of an upscale Chinese place in Kansas City. Uh, that's like an institution in Kansas City for like a year. Um, and then I've worked in catering jobs and fast food and um, sort of, you know, fancier dining kind of places. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it, it, there was a, there was a moment where it was we went out to, to a restaurant in Kansas City that kind of specializes in like higher end small plates. And it was my birthday. Mm -hmm. And uh, me and my wife went there and like all the food was really interesting and really tasty. And I was kind of, um, it kind of dawned on me that I don't really like eating like that so much. Mm -hmm. You know, it's mm -hmm. not, I, I, I love the challenge. I love interesting flavors and combinations and pretty plates and stuff like that. And, you know, I can appreciate, you know, cubism and psycho jazz but uh -huh. i'm not gonna hum along to that you know i mean that's not necessarily what i know about and mm. growing up uh my favorite places to eat were uh diners and maybe it was uh like a truck stop that had the best soup or um you know i i grew up playing hockey and we would go to these little frozen towns in north dakota and saskatchewan and i would eat at concession stands 
and something about that like kind of resonated with me um, in, in the sense that like really simple food you get a guy over there who's cutting the potatoes and he's frying them up to order and then you mm-hmm. dump the, the the vinegar on it or there's gravy or something and and just like that memory driven sort of you know you have a very emotional response to that type of food yeah and and for me um, I was tired of um, you know composing things and having a lot going on and I'm, I'm kind of one of those people where I would rather remove something than add something to it um, and so you know also just the food that I even know um, I haven't traveled like extensively or anything but when I do I'm always looking for you know what is this if I'm in a little town somewhere I'm like what are you guys known for what is this mm-hmm. like um, my wife and I go up to the UP. Her family's got a little cabin up there. We go every year, mm-hmm. and it's the first time I ever had a Cornish pasty. And it's kind of a, it's like a, a meat pocket in a pastry. I mean, it do, it doesn't seem that interesting yeah. or special, yeah. but it's 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 what they're known for. And mm-hmm. you can really only find them up in Michigan. And yeah. so there's little things like that. I always try to find those little those little things. And food doesn't have to be really fancy to be delicious. Right. And and, and starting with core ingredients that are really wholesome and really great makes a huge difference. Um, so I was, I was trying to remove ingredients and not add more and not do more. I was, I was trying to focus my efforts on um, sourcing and uh, providing something that people can relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even if, you know, maybe you don't relate to sausage or hamburgers or anything like that, but mm-hmm. I guarantee if you give us a try, it's going to be delicious oh, yeah. and, and, and well thought out too. We always yeah. try to put a lot of thought into not just the way things taste, but how they eat, mm-hmm. um, the, the layering of things. So when you take a bite of something, you're not, um, you know, take one bite and then everything kind of pulls off or slides out or anything. Everything is, is, is very purposeful and very meaningful. So, yeah, cause that's the one thing, I mean, you, I mean, obviously I, you really focus on the, the, you know, the quality of what's going in there. So what's that like, you know, sourcing that? I mean, I imagine that's a, you know, you, luckily we're in a kind of an agricultural area, so I'm sure it's, it's easier than maybe some places, but still, yeah. How do you find the right people to work with and I mean, obviously meat sourcing for you is a, a big one and yeah uh, it's you know it's easy in, in Kansas yeah. I feel like I <laughs> yeah. mean um, it, it when I moved to Kansas I couldn't believe um, I couldn't believe how m- much produce we we have here and different things people grow apples people grow peaches um, you know I kind of come from beef country up in North Dakota we didn't you know eat a lot of pork or lamb or anything but here people raise goats um, I mean, there's just so much going on and, uh, it, it always starts, I think like everything does, it starts with a conversation. It starts, um, with, uh, with the relationship there, building, building on that, building on that trust that you have. And, um, you know, I, luckily enough, like it's, it's pretty, there, there's just so many options. Right. And, um, and so I, I, I got in with, like, I get a lot of my stuff uh, hogs processed, you know, slaughter, all that kind of thing split. I get that done at Santa Fe trail meets in Overbrook. And that was kind of my day one. I just called down there and I, I know Aaron and Brett who do all the buying and stuff. And Aaron's the owner, Aaron Higby, and they raise hogs. And, um, yeah, it was just, uh, it was just a very natural sort of progression when it started out. Um, really lucky to have Creekstone Farms in Arc City, Kansas. Um, they're just, they provide just incredible all natural beef products. Um, 
And, and so just, just opening the door the first day, I never had uh, any question about where I was going to get stuff from. It was really, really easy. And, um, you know, part of it was the planning side of things too. So when, you know, when I was writing the business plan, it's like, okay, well, we need to figure out all of this stuff. And that was one of them. And having that lined up in advance and, and just going in with a really good plan mm-hmm. um, made things a lot easier. I know one thing, you know, obviously that goes along with that too is, you know, your shop is, like you mentioned, it's 100% Native American owned. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually saw recently what you're, you're uh, recognized from the Native Business Magazine for a top 50 um, Native American entrepreneurs. So congratulations, congratulations on that. Is that like in the country? In the country. Wow, yeah. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. It, it was, it's, it's an honor. It's really cool. Um, that one probably means more than the tater tot one. Uh, <laughs> what? But, <laughs> Come on. Uh, no, it's, it's great. And, you know, I don't always uh, talk about uh, the Indian side of my family because I always feel like it's one of the least interesting things about me. Um, it's not something I accomplished. It's not something I made. It was just, it just happened to be that I come from a part of the world where, you know, I'm from an Indian reservation. And, um, but, uh, a lot of that is kind of like the stigma of growing up in a, in a state where there is a large Indian population and, um, there's, you know, definitely some racism there and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, and then move, but moving to, moving to Lawrence and going to Haskell and meeting so many different people and so many different cultures within the Indian community and seeing what people are doing, um, you know, that, that is, uh, probably the most interesting thing that, um, I've, I've taken away from that experience. Um, but I mean, being an entrepreneur, uh, I, I feel like part of that is definitely, um, I owe to my wife because she uh, has like told me that, you know, she's, she's driven me and she is, is, has made so many things possible because of her support and, um, because of her knowledge of things and, and just being like, just being my best friend, just being the, the person in my life that, uh, has helped me get to this point. So like, I, I know she's, uh, she's not Indian. She's, uh, you know, she's from Iowa. She's, she's just, but yeah. without her, I, I wouldn't be able to accomplish any of those things. So I definitely feel like they, when they, when they gave me that award, they sent me a little pin and it's really cool. It's a little enamel pin mm-hmm. and I wish there's some way I could cut it in half and give her half. <laughs> <laughs> so you recently opened the butcher shop just a couple doors down from Leeway Frank's. Um, what made you decide to do that? I mean, it seems like kind of a natural jump based on what we've been talking about so far. Um, but what was that kind of process like getting the space, renovating it, um, buying equipment, I'm assuming? Yeah, it was, uh, so originally the, originally Leeway Franks was, was going to be mostly a butcher shop and it was going to be a place where you could buy the meat. And then, uh, we had some hot items, um, you know, five or six sausages, little things like that, little breakfast items. And, um, with the business plan, putting that together, it's, it's more difficult to start something like that when you don't have a brand and you don't have Mm -hmm. any sort of recognition for Mm -hmm. doing that sort of thing. You don't have that kind of reputation, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And, um, so it made more sense to shift more towards restaurant driven and then having retail items available. Um, and so when we, uh, were, were originally planning the idea of the restaurant, then we put a timeline together and we were looking at about five years, um, we'll start working on a retail space. And then maybe 10 years, we'll start looking at just a standalone production facility to maybe feed um, different 
uh, either concepts or maybe wholesale for different restaurants or things like that. Hmm. Um, so it, it was something that I had been really wanting to do and it just wasn't possible. Um, the first year or two with a restaurant, it's crazy. You're just like trying to figure things out yeah. and, um, you know, there's a lot that you, you learn in that first year or two. And, um, there wasn't a space available, uh, that was, uh, kind of immediately close to where we were. So we just kind of waited and, um, it would have been May of last. Yeah. May of last year, actually. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, uh, 2018, um, that end space, it's just two doors down from the restaurant, uh, on the West side of that building, uh, opened up and, uh, I was, I just had one of those (laughs) crazy moments where I was like, this is it. I think we got to do this. You know, I've been, I've been trying to find other spaces, maybe either in that location or close by where we can keep that a little bit of proximity. And, um, yeah, that space opened up and I just, I, I walked in there one day and it was empty. And I just thought, this is it. I mean, this has got to be the place. And it was kind of the same feeling that I had when I found the space that Leeway Franks is in. Um, I just thought, this is perfect. It's not too big. It's not too small. It's tight. We keep things clean. It'll be easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it, it was kind of a, it was a natural pr- progression from the restaurant. Uh, it also, you know, originally I was doing all of the production, all of the butchering and stuff like that in the restaurant, Sunday, Monday. It'd carry over into Tuesday. I'd, I'd move all the equipment in there, butcher everything, grind, mix, stuff, link, smoke, and then come and package and do all that stuff. And it was just like, that got old after about three months. Oh I my mean, God, it I was, bet. yeah, it was, it's, <laughs> a, exhausting. it's a lot for one person. Yeah. And, and then, and then it just started carrying over. We would need to make more stuff and it would just carry over into the week. So then my production week would start on like Sunday and then it carry over to Thursday, Friday, and then it's Friday, Saturday, and the restaurants are busiest days. And then it, mm-hmm. it was just a whirlwind, you know, I mm-hmm. mean, it just never got ahead. Yeah. And so I was looking for something where I could um, expand in kind of a natural way and not, not just step into a new business necessarily, but mm-hmm. be able to expand leeway um, beyond those, that very small space. Um, and having the proximity there to the restaurant, it really helps a lot. My uh, GM, Mel, who's been with us for, I think in October, it's gonna be three years. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just amazing. And when she took over that role, it really allowed me to uh, be able to focus on some of that stuff. Because when you own a business, you spend so much time working in the business, you're not working on the business mm-hmm. necessarily. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and it's really allowed me, like with her leadership and her skill set. I mean, she can butcher, she can, run both the restaurant and the butcher shop without me. I mean, she is, yeah, she's really allowed me to have that freedom to um, start thinking about things on a little bit bigger level and a little bit bigger scale. Um, so anyway, long answer to a short question. <laughs> it was it was absolutely something that we needed. And uh, and as far as equipment, you know, we put the, the meat cases in there, um, put a walk-in in. We, you know, a lot of people are like, you know, where's the rest of this place when we just had Leeway Franks, just the restaurant. And I had a three door fridge and a freezer and that was it. I mean, it was like, we would have to, I had no walk-in. Uh, I don't have a dishwasher. We all wash our own dishes. We all clean up our own messes. Mm -hmm. Um, that the Bev cooler, my uh, beer cooler, that was, I bought that with the place. It was in there already. Um, so really like I had bought, uh, some, some, uh, meat processing equipment, mostly the grinder, the mixer, which is probably the most important piece of equipment. And then the stuffer, um, yeah, I'd bought all those when I opened uh, leeway Franks, 
Um, but uh, opening up the butcher shop, you know, we completely gutted that space. Uh, obviously, uh, epoxy flooring to make things. We cut a floor drain, like a big trench drain, so we can just clean everything up in place. Uh, put in a walk-in, which I've never had before, yeah. uh, which is just amazing. I, I get on my hands and knees and clean the floor every night. It's just like this amazing thing to have when, when you're used to working with a, with with less than you, when you have something like that. It's it's just really nice. Uh, we enclosed our smoker area, so now like we can kind of smoke every day of the week. I don't have an oven or anything like that, so everything that you have um, from the restaurant or from the butcher shop. If it's roast beef or any of that stuff, it's always been on a smoker. We cook pretty much over live fire, and we've been doing that since day one. Wow, so, that's really cool. Yeah. You're talking about a little bit too. I can imagine one of the harder part too about starting a business like that is like obviously you have this, you know, you know how to do a lot of this stuff, but it's it's the training of the team and, mm-hmm. and getting and being able to hand it off, and that's what it, it's, you know, from going there and then seeing it too. When when you go to the butcher, it's like oh now you're seeing that you know, someone else is there now and like taking it over. And I imagine, is that a hard part for you? I mean, to, to kind of let go a little bit, you have to yeah. let go, yeah. right? <laughs> it's, it's probably the hardest part. It's the thing that I struggle with the most. I'm, uh, I, I'm not a great, I'm not like a natural teacher on things. Uh, it takes me uh, a lot of concerted effort to, um, obviously let go of things uh and then being able to i kind of grew up in the kitchen environment of like 10 years ago and it's i'm glad that things are changing for the better because um getting yelled at having stuff thrown at you um you know being called an idiot and stuff like that it's just it's such a negative it just it just creates this vacuum of negative energy and it just sucks the life out of your business Mm -hmm. and so I, and I'm, you know, very much so guilty of that. I feel like in, uh, you know, not with Leeway Franks and Butcher Shop, although I've had my moments for sure. (laughs) um, I feel like that is something that uh, they don't teach you. I mean, you don't learn that when you grow up in the restaurant business. Mm -hmm. You don't learn how to constructively um, tell somebody. You you don't learn any people skills. You don't learn any, and like I learned butchering from the crustiest old bastards you could ever imagine. I mean, I, I was imagine. constantly called an idiot and constantly yelled at and barked at, and um, you know, I, at the at the same time, I was kind of a punk kid and I probably needed some of that. I need a little structure in my life, um, and I know a lot of those guys. If I would have called them, and you know needed anything they would have been there for me but right. it wasn't that sort of nurturing environment that i think people need to really excel in their mm-hmm. positions and their careers and um you know i that that is probably the number one uh thing that i focus on right now in trying to grow the business and trying to grow it in a positive manner um because uh i honestly there are going to be we're, we're going to have a generation of people who don't want to work in restaurants because they're so turned off by the idea of that kind of like bro mentality, first of all, and then second of all, sort of this patronizing, um, you know, abusive sort of environment where you learn by, you know, getting shit on or whatever. I mean, I just, yeah. I just not the right way to go about it, you know. Totally. And and so uh, th- those are the things that I think about, and I I, I focus on that like more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I've I've got an incredibly talented staff. I when I uh, look for people. I don't hire based on experience necessarily. Um, you know, I'm, it's all about perspective and it's all about attitude because I can teach you how to do 
so many things in the butchering side of things, mm-hmm. cooking and stuff like that, um, cleanliness, cleaning, all those things are really important for a restaurant to, f- to function properly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't teach you how to show up on time. Right. And I can't teach you how to have a good attitude. And I've, I've, I've worked with people who, um, over the years, who were kind of salty old dogs or whatever, <laughs> and oh, you're just kind of a cranky old guy. And it's not bad enough that they're in a bad mood, but now everyone's in a bad mm-hmm. mood, you know? And so um, those are the things that I kind of think about the most. And those are the most difficult lessons mm-hmm. to not only teach, you know, your staff, but you to teach yourself. I mean, to try to learn that, um, it takes constant effort for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the other things, the skills, knife skills, um, cooking skills and things like that, and even butchering, of course, with enough repetition, you can learn it. Um, but if, if you don't have a, a willing participant in that, then there's no point. I mean, you know, and, and if, if you don't present it in, in the right way or go about it in the right way, then no one's going to want to learn from you. Mm-hmm. Um, so those, those are kind of where my thoughts are, you know, and, and have been really for the last few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I know we jumped right into it too about the butcher shop. I did want to just point out, you know, to everyone listening is that, you know, just the, just the quality of the stuff you, you have there and then just the variety. I know we, we've, we've been there quite a few times and like every time we get a piece of meat there, I mean, it's just it's like, just you, get, amazing. you know, you just different cuts of meat too that, you know, you don't normally see. And so I think that's a really cool, um, you know, and then being able to talk with you too. And yeah. That's, that's, the, that's what I was going to say. That's really the main, the main thing that I find anyway, so valuable is that, you know, we might be looking for something, but not know a hundred percent what we want to do or how to best do it. So being able to, ask those questions and get great answers, you know, to help us cook better at home is always really appreciated. Uh, yeah. Coming uh, with, with a, you know, having a cooking background and um, having someone come into the shop and maybe not be so sure uh, about how to cook something mm-hmm. or uh, what, what kind, what cuts of meat, you know, we have some, I mean, for me, they're kind of uh, normal, but not everyone has seen a Denver steak. Not everyone has seen a Chuck eye. Right. Not everyone has seen a tri-tip in the Midwest. Um, there are certain cuts that uh, what what we kind of call value added, uh, where originally those cuts would have been just attached to other muscles or sold um, as a whole muscle group. Uh, we kind of do a little bit more cutting. We seam things out, and and there's a lot of delicious cuts on the animal that are not found in your grocery store necessarily. Um, and then some of it's regional. So if you're not familiar with um, some of those cuts, it could could just be because you're from the Midwest or um, have never, uh, you know, seen the name because there's so many different names for the same muscles as well. Um, so we're always trying to push people in the right direction as far as cooking, um, the application itself. Uh, a lot of times I'll just ask people, what are, what, what are you planning on to do with it? How many people are you trying to feed? And then just look in the case and just see what would be the best, you know, application for that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that knowledge goes, um, you know, goes along with, you know, educating the 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 public you know Mm -hmm. uh because a lot of you know i know that we're kind of live in this like foodie sort of like era where people are they're getting on the internet they're getting cookbooks they're reading they're doing all the right things Mm -hmm. and um still there's i feel like there's kind of that disconnect when you are buying where where you buy your food from first of all and Mm -hmm. then who you buy it from and uh, a lot of people uh are too scared to ask questions about it uh, so yeah, we're, that's, that's kind of one of the main things. And, and that's, that's another thing that I've learned since opening the butcher shop is, is making sure that the staff knows proper cooking techniques for certain cuts of meat. You know, there's some cuts of meat where, um, I feel like when I was growing up, I always felt like 
you just sear a steak really hard and then you turn it and then you flip it once and then you turn it again and that's mm -hmm. it. And that's just like the most simple type of cooking, you know, like it's, it's not always applicable to every single cut of meat. Mm -hmm. And so also teaching people about, you know, the different thin cuts, cause there's sort of the thin meats that would be uh, bavette or uh, sirloin flap, um, skirt, both skirts, inside, outside, flank, um, those take different cooking techniques uh, to to make uh, delicious to cook properly, mm -hmm. uh, and then and then there's other cuts that uh, I, nowadays people know more about, like reverse searing. Uh, a lot of people can buy a sous vide unit on Amazon for eighty bucks, and now they're sous viding, and it's it's cool. I mean, there, there's just people are ahead of the curve, I think, and especially in Lawrence. Mm -hmm. um, but still, some people come in, they just they don't even know. I mean, they don't know what they want. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, that that's that's an ongoing process with us. Yeah, I think one question we always we always start fascinated by, too, is, you know, what, uh, you know, how, how many how, how many animals do you, you end up breaking down a week or like what, what's your kind of your the quantities that's what always fascinates us i kind of i kind of measure everything and how many pounds of sausage we have to make every week mm -hmm. and yeah. we're always at about 100 pounds of sausage a week about a hog every week or week wow. and a half um i've been buying uh, quarters and sides of beef um about once like I, I just got one a couple weeks ago and i have one hanging right now um and then we buy a lot of portion control from Creekstone Farms, so I will always like have ribeyes, or I'll have bone-in, you know, ex export like bone-in ribeyes or tenderloins or things like that, where you wouldn't be able to buy enough animals to, you know, there's only one tenderloin on each side of the animal, so you would be going through thousands and thousands of pounds of meat if you didn't have that, and you know, we're like about. 80% whole animal where we don't have to constantly buy stuff, but there are some things that I, I always have to have like strips and, um, and then, and then also that's kind of a, a benefit in the Midwest because there's some cuts that aren't as popular, um, in the Midwest I've noticed, especially like tri-tip and that's one of our number one selling items. I mean, we sell a lot of tri-tip mm -hmm. yep. and it just has never caught on. I mean, you're starting to see it in Texas, you're starting to see it in Colorado, but it was always like a California, mm -hmm. um, you know, big, that was a big cut out there. And it still is. I mean, it's still, and it's expensive out there. But in the Midwest, like these packers, they don't know what to do with it. And so, um, and, and, and I'll, I'll, anytime a farmer's trying to get rid of something, like I've got all these sirloins or I've got all of this ribeye cat meat or I've got any of this, I'm like, I want it all. I'll buy <laughs> all of that stuff. And we'll, we'll be able to merchandise it in a way where um, it's accessible to people. And then that goes back to, teaching people about the cut itself, where it comes from, how to cook it, um, and everything like that. So, I mean, that's, we're, we're going through uh, 100 pounds plus of sausage every week, I'd say. And then, uh, yeah, we keep a, we keep, uh, keep a pretty steady supply of, of pork and, and as far as whole hogs mm -hmm. uh, every other week. And I think we're getting to the point where we need to do more. Is there... Um like a seasonality to meat like there is with produce yeah definitely especially for things like lambs and goats um uh chickens to a certain extent too uh there yeah absolutely um i this is we're kind of gearing up for fair season uh where all of the little county fairs around here 
uh, ever all the 4-H kids are bringing in their animals and that's one of the reasons why I've really fostered the relationship that I have with Brett and Aaron at Santa Fe Trail Meats is because those guys go to the fairs and they buy up all the animals from these 4-H kids mm. and so I have access to just incredible product this time of year it's amazing mm. and 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 lambs um, I get lambs from Half Day this this couple uh, Half Day Creek uh, they're just in North Topeka they raise bighorn sheep, grass-fed, grass-finished, mm-hmm. and they raise um, ancient white cattle, which I just got a quarter of it a couple of weeks ago, and it's just this incredible product. I mean, it's it's so different than grain-finished. Um, it's not for everybody, mm-hmm. uh, but the the quality is just incredible. It's this incredible, like mineral-rich, herbaceous quality to it that is just incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would say that you know, especially I, I try to work with farmers like that who. Are like well we're bringing we're bringing in 10 this week and so you want a couple and so then i'll know maybe in three or four months they'll have a couple more for me and so that kind of helps me put a calendar together um uh the, the goats and lambs those are, those are two things that we growing up i mean we were, uh my family raised sheep and i think they always sold them and did well on it but um it made money anyway uh but we never ate lamb growing up like i was probably close to 20 years old for the first time I had lamb. Hmm. I mean, it just wasn't part of the, part of the deal. Right? Yeah. It just, it wasn't, wasn't something that we ate. Um, and so, uh, I'm really surprised at the response, uh, here in Lawrence about how many people are looking for goat, how many people are hmm. looking for lamb. Um, and so th- that's something that I've actually been struggling with just trying to keep up uh, enough of the product. Of course it's expensive. Um, so it's a little bit of a risk when you bring it in. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, luckily one nice thing about you know having the butcher shop after we had the restaurant is that we've got items that maybe don't sell retail so much but we can turn them into items that definitely always sell at the restaurant mm-hmm. and um people are crazy for tacos so i feel like i could i could get a goat in every week and just turn the whole thing into tacos and people would be crazy about it you know um but yeah this I, and i would say this is probably like the busy season too mm-hmm. um, we did get a question from our audience for you um what is the hardest part about being a butcher that people normally don't think about all of the cleaning all of oh. the equipment cleaning um i when, when I make sausage, the process of actually making sausage is probably the shortest part of it. And the most labor intensive part is cleaning everything um, and sanitizing and drying, um, reassembling equipment, uh, cleaning out luggers, the, the big gray totes that, you, uh, that hold meat, um, keeping things uh, uh, cleaned and sanitized for sure. I was, uh, I was a home brewer for years. Uh, I, I was like a home brewer for like five or six years. Yeah. And uh, that was always like kind of, you, when you get into it, you think it's cool, you think it's fun. You're like, yeah, we're making beer, or we're making sausage, or we're doing this. Yeah. And then you're like, wow, look at all this stuff I gotta clean. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like that's 80% of it right yeah. there. So. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm always impressed. I mean, because like you mentioned earlier, I mean, your your spaces are, you're tight. You're tight space. Yeah, like you yeah. said, you're, I yeah. mean, you're probably constantly, every activity you're doing, you're, you're cleaning in between it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I feel like, you know, cleanliness is one of those things for me, and organization is one of those things for me where it is the, one of the, it's like the backbone of what we do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you could go get a burger or you can go get a sausage, and maybe they're not making that stuff or it's a frozen uh, meat puck or something like that. Mm-hmm. But you can get that stuff anywhere. I mean, and I tell people, I was like, you, you, could, you could go, you know, eat anywhere and get kind of similar-ish food. Maybe it's not as good a quality, but, and then it doesn't have to be clean. I mean, that's fine. I mean, mm-hmm. that's why that stuff is like not what we do. We're like, 
uh, we always trying to keep things clean because mm -hmm. like I, that's one of the first things that people say when they walk in they're like wow this place is really clean i'm like i know <laughs> you spend a lot of time cleaning it yeah. and organizing and it's kind of one of those one of those like um pillars of what we try to do every day keeping things clean not making messes and and then you know the responsibility that people have like we don't have a dishwasher so we have a three compartment sink so if you don't want to wash a bunch of dishes at the end of the wash while you go clean as you go um, and then don't make big messes to begin with mm -hmm. um, yeah. one thing that's maybe a little bit different about our we're you know kind of a fast casual uh, counter service and everything like that but someone takes your order they're probably cooking your food they're uh serving your food to you they're washing all the dishes um they're cleaning they're mopping the floors at the end of the night they're setting up the dining room in the morning um they're checking in orders everybody does everything yeah. i mean there's no person that's just that's their one job and that's all they do everybody pinches in every everyone does um everyone has to do every single job there include cleaning the bathrooms and all that stuff and i'm i'm right there with them and i would have thought too the uh was it hard to learn the anatomy i feel like that's another thing when i hear you talk through yeah you just you can rattle out different parts and you know where all it comes from i mean i mean i'm sure it just comes with experience of doing it but it always it always strikes me as something like man if you if you didn't study that up front like you just you got to figure out all the different yeah, parts as you go yeah, yeah. uh you know i was uh, in high school i was a little bit of a nerd when it came to like i loved uh like anatomy yeah. i loved uh, i took all the advanced biology classes i could and i think when i was in high school i thought i was going to be a surgeon or something uh, okay. and i kind of are yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't but live I, but. I get the, yeah i get the easy surgeon job like, <laughs> i don't have to keep the thing alive but, but um but yeah i i've always been fascinated with it and then it's it's taken um you know the last uh 15 15 years or so of just really studying it um, if you're interested in those sorts of uh, the actual individual muscles, you can get a copy of Gray's Anatomy, the book. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't get a copy of the DVD box set, but, <laughs> but no, yeah. uh, the, the, the book itself is really useful, actually. And um, when, when you start to isolate those sing singular muscles, um, serratus muscle for the Denver stick, I mean, you, you start to see how they function as well. Hmm. And so uh, like kind of one of the big, big hitter stakes on the value added a few years back, that terrace, terrace major or whatever, mm -hmm. being able to isolate that, it's kind of nestled into a bundle of connected tissue and other muscle groups up in the shoulder. And once you actually kind of look at it the way it's broken down, um, it makes a lot more sense when you're cutting. And so the retail side is so completely different than uh, working for a restaurant or, or something like that because um, you really are trying to focus on getting as much value out of that as possible because you might only get, like with the Denver steaks, for example, you might only get three to four of them on each side. And uh, you cut one a little too wide, you cut one a little too, or just a little off kilter, that muscle runs kind of at a, at a, on the bias uh, at an angle from the rest of the muscles. It's not just a perfect right angle. And uh, without cutting it at just the right angle, now you're not cutting across the grain, it gets a little bit more tough. Um, and that just comes with experience, having, you know, having to, to do it over and over and over again. Um, but that's something that I work on every day. Do you have a favorite cut of meat or a favorite dish at the restaurant? Favorite dish at the restaurant is the chili dog. It's always been, mm. I just, uh, our chili is amazing. It uh, took a long time to put that together, um, put that recipe together. It's uh, basically just beef and spices. And, uh, and I will, 
I, and I, I love almost everything that we have on that menu, but the classic, the classic menu, um, just that, that chili dog, that's, that's probably my favorite thing. Mm. Um, cuts of meat, I'm partial to kind of the oddball ones. Um, I love Denver steaks. That's great. And that's up there. That's top five for sure. Chuck eyes, just a little bit fattier version of the ribeye. It's uh, just a single knife cut away from that, that shoulder cut of the ribeye. Um, I love the Merlot steak. Comes from the hind quarter. Comes from the round, really. Um, big fan of tri-tip. Love bavette. Uh, it's uh, some people call it sirloin flap uh, um, culotte. Uh, sirloin cap. Some people call it sirloin cap. Some people call it rump cap, even though it's not rump. Um, maybe I just like the whole thing. I kind of like the oddball cuts. You know, inside skirt is great. Uh, it has. Uh, just a wonderful quality. I like things that you have to chew a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I'm not a huge fan of, uh, you know, every, you know, some people come in and like, I just had, I had some come in today and they're just like, you know, I got some grass fed beef from someone sometime and blah, blah, blah. And it, it just wasn't, uh, you know, cut with a fork tender, you know, just one. And I was like, you know, that's never going to be grass fed beef or, you know, grass fed, grass finished. Um, mm -hmm. I like something that has a little bit of structure to it. I like something you got to chew through. I like th something that has, like, so you know you're eating beef. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not always going after the most tender cuts. Uh, a lot of that can be mitigated with proper cooking technique. Mm -hmm. um, and we're there for that too. So uh, yeah, I, I always kind of look for kind of the oddball cuts. Um, there is a, there is, okay, there's one of the best cuts that you never <laughs> see in a, in a case. And uh, it only comes if you're breaking down hindquarters and um, the uh, on the round on the inside of the H bone, which is like the pelvis. Um, there's a really small muscle. Some people call it an oyster, but it's not really an oyster. It's uh, not like in the sense of like with a chicken. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, it's uh, it, the, what I've always heard it called is a spider steak. And it kind of looks like a little spider. When you clean it out, it comes right out of the inside of the pelvis. And there's, there's just that one little, it's maybe half a pound to three quarters of a pound. And I guess it's similar to um, skirt in a way, maybe similar to bavette, but it's a little bit chewier. But it just has the most intense flavor, especially on aged beef. Hmm. Um, so yeah, that is one that you'll probably never see in the case because I always take that. Home. <laughs> <laughs> that's the perk. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of it. Is, yeah. That's awesome. What's your favorite place to eat in town? That's not Leeway Franks. What do you? I you, you know, well actually, my wife and I go out maybe once. Or a month or so yeah, yeah. if that I, I i feel like i wish i could we could go out more mm -hmm. um my favorite place and it's probably always been my favorite place in lawrence since they've opened is little saigon i mm. just i love soup i love um i love steve and anna they're just the most amazing people mm -hmm. um and i go there and i get their egg rolls and i get a big giant bowl of chicken soup and and they, everything on that menu is great i mean um but I just had a buddy that was, was back in town after not being in town for I mean, close to a year or so. And he's like, we're going to Little Saigon, right? I'm like, of course we're going to Little Saigon, <laughs> come on. Uh, but there's just so many uh, people in town that I just have so much uh, admiration for and respect for what they do. And if you don't mind me just rattling off a few. Yeah, <laughs> no, go for it. Go for so it. I, 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 love, um, I love Taco Zone. I just like can jam out on those nachos all day long. <laughs> um, uh, it was my wife and I's anniversary back in June. And uh, we went to Bon Bon, mm -hmm. and Devin over there is a—he's just amazingly talented yeah. dude, yeah. and just like crushed us with food. We ordered some <laughs> stuff, and they just started sending stuff out. It's like, oh my god, <laughs> yeah. um, it's so good. Um, have a lot of respect for um, uh, Harrison and Michael over at the Fish House. Uh, the menu that those guys—they've really turned that into just like 
really great, great food that they're doing there. They're just, and they like play off each other really, really well. Um, my good friend Zach at 715 is just super talented and I worked with him for years and I wish I could plate food like that and just put together interesting combinations like that. Uh, Taylor at 1900 Barker, um, I imagine I'm forgetting so many people, but uh, I just have a ton of respect for both uh, Emily and TK from Merchants. We go in there for just like beers mm -hmm. and just little appetizers and like they run that place and it's like this huge machine and you just mm -hmm. see all the gears turning all the time and they, it's just so well composed and so good. The food's so good. I have a ton of respect for uh, Cody and Simon, the Umberger San Bonbon. I mean, I just respect them as business people yeah. and what they do for the community. The food's always amazing. It's so consistent. Um, yeah, I just, uh, it's, we're like really spoiled. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, and, and Sam from the waffle iron. Oh yeah. Uh, he's, he's, he's like, uh, I, I, I have never met someone who has taken one food item and, uh, just dive into it and just on all these different levels and layers. Yeah. He's, he's amazing. I just love that guy. Yeah. So the nice thing is you got an event coming up, right? You're going to do a chef's table. Yep. Th this will be the second year I've participated. Yep. Uh, the, and this one is family recipes, uh, which is uh, great for me. I'm very kind of nostalgic. Um, all, all of my, all of those menu items at Leeway are very uh, memory driven. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of them come from family memories. So this is going to be fun. Yeah. August 29th, uh, it's benefit for just food. And, uh, and we're going to be, I, it's great for me cause I get to work with just like some of the most talented guys in town. And, um, and, uh, I, I love Liz when like, she's just so driven and so passionate, uh, about the cause and, and it's just, it's just great. So yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to very honored to be, uh, even invited. So, yeah, that's cool. I mean, like you were just listing off everyone and a lot of those people will be there. So it's yeah. kind of, yeah. it's kind of, a, yeah, I can imagine that's a fun, fun event. To yeah. Be it'll at. be over at the cider gallery and, yeah. uh, tickets I think are already on sale and it normally sells out. So if anyone's like thinking about it or on the fence, I'd, I'd say it's, it's worth doing. Uh, it's, it's a cool, it's a cool experience. That's awesome. And one other thing too, is that, um, you know, it's not, you, you've done it in previous years and is we're always amazed by is that you always seem to have an event for holidays too. You know, you're always doing something for yeah, like Thanksgiving. Yeah. 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 You always have a good name for it yeah. too. You always, you always <laughs> find some way to make a pun out of it. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, do you, what, what drives you to do? It? I know holidays, sometimes it's, you know, it's, that's it, the one day maybe you don't want to, you know, don't want to work sure. or something like that. But is it about creating a community space or? Is yeah, that, yeah. It's, yeah. That started the first year. We, yeah. uh, we, we got open and um, I've had uh, like bad Thanksgivings where I, uh, you know, family blow up and then I'm eating Thanksgiving dinner at a truck stop or something mm -hmm. like that, you know. And I've definitely had times when I have not been able to be around family or friends um, and, and just being, uh, sort of, uh, uh closed off on, on those times can be like really, um, difficult mentally. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it can just kind of, uh, it, it can, it can wear on you. And, and I feel like a lot of, uh, people in service industry have dealt with that. And, uh, and, and I don't think there's any secret that, um, I think there's sort of a mental health crisis in our industry yeah. that needs to be addressed at some point. Mm. Um, and that's also a, a personal thing for me. Um, so yeah, that started the first year where I, I know lots of people who were like, well, I've got to work the next day or I've, I've got to work the day before and I live out, you know, six hours away and I can't drive out to Western Kansas just to see family and stuff. And, 
and so that was something that we wanted to do Thanksgiving right away, uh, just to be there. Um, I feel like every year that we have that, it, the people who show up every year, and there's people who have been there every year, mm-hmm. um, have become like family to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, we see a lot of service industry and just some people who just, that's their one kind of like fun little event they do every year. If, it, if we can take the pressure off uh, of cooking or family, or maybe you don't want to talk about politics or whatever, <laughs> or, or you don't want to go back home because of whatever, then we're here for you. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, that kind of, that kind of started it. And then, uh, we, you know, always have a Valentine's day thing because mm-hmm. I, uh, I'm kind of a, I'm not a hater on Valentine's Day. I think it's sweet, but you know, I would rather be there to make other people happy, um, make it a special event, make it something that's a once a year sort of thing and everybody gets fed and they don't have to worry about it. And it's just kind of fun and it's lighthearted. We're Mm not a fine dining restaurant by any means. We just try to make good food for people um, that they can relate to and is very approachable. And um, yeah, I think we're gonna do that every year. Yeah. And this year was the first year that we were open for the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'd always been closed and it was great because I could do all of my sausage production. I'm like, oh yes. And it felt, <laughs> felt like a kid whose parents were out of town for the weekend. I could just run around and like, had the whole place to myself. And um, and I was a little selfish, I guess. So, uh, but this year, yeah, I mean, it, people were so so excited about it. I mean, we were busy all day. People buying sausages, mm-hmm. um, and and so yeah, that, I feel like that's that's kind of uh, something that we want to nurture. We want to be able to be there and be a part of the community because, uh, you know, being a business owner, you don't just own the business. I mean, you're really investing in your mm-hmm. neighborhood, your community. Your it's mm-hmm. it, it becomes kind of an extended family. Thanks again to Lee for talking with us today. Be sure to check out Leeway Franks and Leeway Butcher in the Hillcrest Shopping Center at the corner of 9th and Iowa in lovely Lawrence, Kansas. And you guys are now open on Mondays? 11 to 8, uh, Monday through Saturday at Leeway Franks, and the butcher shop is Tuesday through Saturday, 10 to 6. That's great. Well, congratulations again on your four-year anniversary, and uh, thanks for talking with us. It's great talking to you. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Lawrence Forking, Kansas. We had a great time chatting with Lee Meisel of Leeway Franks and Leeway Butcher. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, basically anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, please follow us on social media. We are on Facebook at Lawrence Forking, Kansas, Instagram at Lawrence Forking, Kansas, and Twitter at Lawrence Forking. And uh, feel free to find our pages, like it, subscribe, share our posts, and do all that fun stuff. And if you're a restaurant or a food business owner in town and you're interested in coming on the show, just reach out on social media or you can email us at lawrenceforkingkansas at gmail.com and let us know. We're always looking for new people to talk to and would love to have you on. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.